And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, welcome to pod 23 of Red Side of Trent. And while we would love to have been sat here now talking to you about how Forest gained automatic promotion, it was sadly not to be. Forest lost 1-0 away at Bournemouth in midweek, which took seconds mathematically out of their grasp. And then follow that up with a one all draw away at Hull, which wrapped the normal season up. But of course, now we move on to the next stage, which is before lucky teams are playoffs, of which Forest are one of them. We'll be coming on to that in due course, but we'll have a little look first. Um, we'll do a little recap first. We'll start with that Bournemouth game because it was obviously the biggest club, the biggest game, sorry, the club's, not the last 23 years of the club's history. But sadly, it wasn't to be, although it could have been very, very different. I mean, Adam, from the get-go, you know, when you see within five, ten minutes, basically, that that's chance for Surridge came up where he hit the bar. I mean, how did you feel about that chance? Because it, it was a bit weird, the way it sort of came across his body. He took it left-footed and, you know, it's, it's just centimetres in it. But do you think he maybe could have taken another touch, still come inside or done anything differently there? I think I've asked this to you guys in our group. And then my other mate of uh, my other group of mates, whether he could have took a touch to get it on his right foot, or if he, I, I generally thought he, if he was going to shoot first time, he'd have hit it across the goalkeeper because that's why everyone always says hit, hit it back across the goalkeeper because it was harder for them to get down to that side. Um, and and I think you guys said he could have took another touch. The, the other group said he was right to hit it first time. It was quite a difficult one. I think. Sorridge probably felt quite confident with it. So probably just thought, I'm just going to absolutely lash it. And I, th- I think the power beat Mark Travers. I just think, obviously, the, the, the where the ball went, obviously didn't, because the crossbar saved him a bit. Um, yeah, that, that's that's all I've got on that. I don't know what the other guys think. Uh, it might be a question for, for Lee and Reese to have an opinion on. But I, I generally think he could have took another touch and gone right footed and hit it near post rather than back across Mark Travers for me personally. I think he had a, he had time to take, take in and smash it right footed rather than left footed. That's that's what I think. Yeah, I think you're right. He does beat the keeper. But that's, that's the part when you, you, when you look at the replays, obviously the, the hand's nowhere near the ball. Like he's, he's not saving that. It's just inches, millimetres even. Uh, we'll work it up to you. Uh, so, Lee, first, do you think he could take a touch? Yes or no? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, I always think hindsight is a wonderful thing, though, isn't it? If he takes a touch and it's heavy and it goes straight to a defender, it's it, he's you know we're, we're moaning at him for another reason. But uh, I don't think it was a bad strike. I think um, I was watching it in the, the the local with one of my mates, and we were quite rightly saying you know he perhaps should have put it onto his right foot because he's so clinical on there. But then 
on the other side, he is extremely unlucky for it to crash back off the bar. So it's one of those, I think, as a striker who's in red-hot form, you kind of back in whatever he chooses to take in that situation. Yeah, definitely. And finally, Reese. Yeah, probably, like I think Lee's just hit the nail on the head, really. It's all in hindsight, isn't it? I think probably the reason why we're maybe scrutinising it a little bit is because Surridge has literally scored most chances, anti up until that Swansea game, like clinically. And the second, his second against Swansea, I literally expected him to do the same. So it was a bit odd. He did go with his left foot, really, I guess. And, you know, like um, Adam said, the power beat Travers. It was just, unfortunately, just a yard too high, unfortunately, for us. Yeah, very much so. Although, to be fair, it was a start of what would be a very strong first half for us. Obviously, Johnson came very close. Uh, obviously, picked out at the back post. Looked like he'd beaten the keeper and obviously was cleared off the line by, uh, I think, Zamora. I think it was. But um, the turning point for us, really, uh, Lee, came just before half-time when... I'll look at my notes now. I, I literally cannot repeat what I said about the officials because we shut down as a podcast. So I genuinely can't. Um, but, I mean... I'm getting, I'm quite sick of this. Like every week, it feels like every podcast, like I'm coming on and saying like the officials weren't good enough. The officials weren't good enough. I mean, in this instance though, and obviously, hence why Marinakis is also complains. There is a strong argument that, that linesman has potentially cost for us automatic promotion by flagging the wrong person offside. Yeah, it's shocking. Um, there's no other word for it. It's absolutely shocking. Um, it's difficult. I, don't, I, I can't even be asked to go into it all again. It's just a couple of points from me on it. I just think the championship set of officials must have a, well, they do have an order of merit. And I don't really understand why, as officials, you'd be top of that list. And they'll know that they're top. And you see a fixture like that in the last week of the season and you think, that's mine. That's my game. I will be doing that game. As a reward for my season, I will be doing that game. But instead, we end up with VAR-trained monkeys, if you like, for want of a better phrase, um, who haven't been used to pressurised situations all season when it comes to actually making a big call that you know could see teams cost big points. Because ultimately, if they make a mistake on the Premier League, it gets checked and it gets looked at and we get rules out and we get lines out and we bore supporters to tears by looking at every possible angle to get it right, or in some cases wrong. Um, so, yeah, it's, I just find it absolutely ridiculous. And, I mean, it's not even close. Do you know if it's close, if it's offside and it's difficult, you, you kind of give him some, cut him some slack. But, I mean, it's just not even... I think there's two of the three players playing him on. It's not even anywhere close. And... Um, the one little bit of credit I will kind of give out, well, I think Atwell's getting a bit of abuse because obviously um, he's the one that's come out and apologised. I think as the head of the team, as the referee, he's probably apologising for his assistant because he sees the foul on Surridge and he, he wants to award a penalty. Obviously, because the flag's gone up, he can't do that. But um, I just thought every single 50-50 went in Bournemouth's direction. Um, I just don't understand now. It's How can anyone think it's fair that a team that were in the Premier League two years ago get a Premier League official for a game of that magnitude. It should be a championship set of officials. You've got, I think it was Josh Scott, his name is, who was fourth man. He's been absolutely brilliant every time we've had him, to be honest. So why is he not reffing it? 
I, I don't I just don't understand it. I think it's 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 just poor and the whole structure just needs ripping up and, and doing again for me because Stuart Atwell and his team won't care. As we speak, they're they're about to take charge of Newcastle and Man City. Um that, that I know that sounds a bit strong that they won't care. No referee wants to do a game and, and make mistakes and make fuck-ups, but ultimately he won't give a toss. He'll be As soon as that game finished, he might have looked at a few bits, he might have got some development points, but that's not his bag anymore. He doesn't work on the Championship, he works on the Premier League. And, you know, four days later, he's he's doing a massive now massive game after what happened with Liverpool last night. If City win today, the, the title's as good as theirs. So, you know... Frankly, um, Stuart, well, your apology means absolutely naff for because you just don't give a toss, to be honest. I think that's what makes it more annoying because, like, you know, they, they say, don't they, like, all these decisions even themselves out over the course of a season. I mean, how is that decision, which, you know, let's say, I mean, obviously, you get 75% chance of scoring a penalty. Well, obviously, Johnson scored one against Hull, come on, sat in due course. So let's say he does that against Bournemouth. We go into half time, one nil up. Like, given Cooper's record, obviously it's all hypothetical. She can't say for certain what was going to go on to happen. But I'd bet pretty good money that Forrest wouldn't lose that match having gone one the up, even despite not turning up in the second half, which come on to a second, which I, that's going to infuriate me for the rest of my it's, life. I, I never really understand that, even itself. Out shocking even, decision. Let's say if, I know it wasn't, but let's say if that situation happens in the playoff final, when does it possibly even itself out? You've got to play another 40 If you lose the game, You've got to play another forty-six games to get promotion. So how does it possibly even itself out? It's I, I always find that um, it's like when I, I mentioned something quite negative about the officials when Johnson was denied two stone wallers away at QPR. Oh well, it's all right because they even themselves out. Well, we drew that game and we could have had two penalties to go two 0 up. So frankly, we don't have another chance to get those three points back. It just doesn't work like that. No, exactly. It's but annoying as it was. I mean, what was arguably more annoying though, Reese, was that. Forest's second half performance was just bad. I mean, there was no anything. There was uh, the thing is, there was no idea what we were doing. Like, it didn't look like I couldn't tell if we were trying to defend, we were trying to attack, we were trying to press, whether we were trying to counter. It was just 11 bodies out there just standing still like statues, basically, and just going for a football match. There was no real identity or idea or plan. And that's more concerning because it looked to me they just froze. Like, I don't know whether it's the occasion just got some or whatever else. They just completely froze. Um, and yeah, they basically just didn't leave the dressing room in the second half, essentially. Yeah, the, the second half was so disappointing. Um, it really was. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a little bit of credit to Bournemouth. I don't really want to do that, but you know, I'm gonna be balanced. I, I thought they pressed us, and we very rare do we see so many long balls from our back three. And it was very oofing it up and hoping it kind of sticks really and we, we all know for one that isn't Brennan Johnson's game um, you know and we, we'll come on to it later but we did that to Alex Martin yesterday which was strange so and to be fair to Scott Parker again you know I don't want to really praise the guy but you know Lerner went off injured for them and it would have been very easy for him just to stick another stick Ben Pearson in there and he brought on Kiefer Moore and that decision that decision paid dividends because he got the winner for him um, the goal, I mean, that's just schoolboy, isn't it? I mean, if, you know, fair enough. From, uh, you know, for Billing to get it up and down over the wall from that range, literally just outside the area, is probably not going to happen. So, Forrest have obviously just thought, as you do, we'll just bulk the wall out as much as we can and just try and basically block what's going to happen, which is a blast. 
and they've completely left Kiefer Moore, you know, at this level, he's very good and he's had time to control it and he had time to pick his spot, to be honest. And and to be honest, even after they scored, Forrest never really looked. I know Samba had that flick over the bar late on that Yates was offside, wanted, but still Forrest didn't really look very fluid and, you know, in the end it become a bit of a damp squid and, but I, I said last week it'd be touchy. I knew it'd be tight, and I, and I knew the first goal would be huge, and that's why the frustrations. What we've just spoke, what you and Lee have just spoke about. If we go one 0 up, it probably changes the game, you know. And then the pressure's all on them. But you know, it's just a shame we've got to go all over it again because kind of uh, got it out of systems now. So you know, thankfully we've got a second chance with the playoffs, and you know, like I've said before, this is the business end of the season. Now it is the business end. Mm. No, it's, I mean to leave more like that was criminal, absolutely criminal, Mark. I, don't, I, I, I get what you're saying that you know to score from that angle, you can't, well, realistically you're not going to get it up and down. The best chance you've got is drilling it and hoping it doesn't hit the wall. But to don't just leave someone unmarked in the box. You saw him look there like sort of like couldn't believe his luck. It's like he won the fucking lottery. Like no one was near him. Everyone was in the wall. It was just oh, infuriating, infuriating, infuriating. But um, Adam, what was also very annoying was that as Reese mentioned obviously when Lerman went off injured so they brought more on we didn't really do a lot else apart from scoring a goal like, but it freed up a man in the middle for Bournemouth and we just didn't make the most of it at all every time we got the ball we were just hasty to just kick it up the pitch like why do you think that element of like take a touch and control just evaporated pretty much hard to say really because we weren't the ones kicking the ball essentially I thought Cooper got it wrong I think we should have made changes a lot earlier than what, and obviously he made all three once the goal went in. They, they should have happened that 60 minutes. I mean, Ryan Yates holding his fucking shoulder for about 30 minutes of it. And, uh, like, and, and he's been magnificent for us this season, as long, along with a lot of players. But we look knackered. We look very leggy. I think that was kind of, it kind of told in itself. We were just kicking the ball up. We, we had no composure. There was, there was nothing of, Playing through the lines, playing through through like James Garner or Zinconago. Um, Surridge is not a hold up player, in my honest opinion. He's he is a box player, uh, play off the shoulder because Lloyd Kelly and that Phillips ate him up really every time the ball went up to him. We missed Keenan Davis massively just to almost put a foot on the ball as uh, someone a bit higher up the pitch and bring people into play. But Cooper said after the game against Hull about making the changes, he said Colback probably shouldn't have played that game. Spence has been carrying a slight calf issue and and another players have been playing through basically a lot of injury. So it, it kind of told that we, we were lacking the fitness almost because I think Cooper, you had to go for it really. He had to, he had to pick the best available 11 he could regardless of fitness because it was such a good opportunity and I, I think fair play to him, but we should have made a change a lot earlier. I, I just think he got it wrong and, and it was the poorest goal I think I've Seen as concede under Cooper, other than the one against Cardiff, maybe where Cook should have gone towards Jordan Hugel. But they're all ifs and buts now. It's it's like I say, it's like Reese says, it's time for the business now, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah, yeah, very much. So. I think obviously one plus will be we might actually have Davis back potentially. I'll wait and see on that one. But I mean, in terms of general, I mean, that's, I've, I've got no insider knowledge or anything else. But just in terms of general, like uh, hamstring injuries, normally if it's like grade one about three weeks. It's been about three weeks now, nearly a month since he got picked up that injury. So against Luton on Good Friday. So you'd think now that you know 
he should be at least ready for a fitness test, perhaps. So we'll see whether that comes to anything or not. Um, but I mean, despite it being a bad, bad second half, and it was shocking, we did still have a few half chances. Obviously, Yates had the one where he couldn't quite adjust his body in time. And then at the end, um, very samurable people um, getting. I've asked you before, like, about an after Liverpool game when Cafu got into that position, it was like, uh, wrong man in the right position and it's it felt that way again with Sambri just gambled correctly and just was very unlucky but I mean if that had gone in good god can you imagine <laughs> um just I guess there is obviously we're looking at you know, very very thin positives but I suppose those two chances were slight positives from that second half uh, yeah they were I mean they were very slight positives weren't they I mean like the guys have just said there was absolutely nothing really to get excited about in that second half um I actually think Cooper got caught in between a rock and a hard place with knowing when to make his subs, to be honest. Um, yeah, again, it's hindsight, isn't it? I mean, he makes them on the hour and we go and concede straight away. Then everyone says he's wrong. But yeah, we did look a bit leggy and perhaps one or two would have helped. Um, but I just think he wanted to give his best 11 as long as possible to try and get us a, a bit of a foothold in the game. But I agree with Reese. I thought Bournemouth did a bit of a number on us, sadly. Um, as poor as we were, I think they made us do a lot of running that we didn't really want to do. Um, a lot of our running is usually on the counter, creating chances, whereas we spent a lot of time running without the ball, almost chasing the ball. It was a bit like a, an under-sevens game at the time where everyone's just directed towards the ball. Um, so, yeah, it was disappointing, but it, it's gone now, hasn't it? It's one of them. It's, it feels almost somewhat sad, kind of, you know, bringing it back up almost. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, I wasn't exactly enjoying writing those notes when we when we sort of recap this game. But it is what it is. <laughs> Bingo, one thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Reese. Uh, I suppose obviously your match dream that comes to an end on to game week forty five. But to get to game week forty five, I suppose after the start we had, after everything else was, if you told me after we lost embarrassingly lost as well to Middlesbrough at home, that game was fucking awful. Like that that Warnock borough as well was poor. Like, if, if you told me after that game, oh, yeah, by the way, um, come last week of May in the season, you know, Forest will be in, in your automatic hunt still. I'd be like, are you taking the piss? Like, what sort of drugs do you want to even suggest that would be a remote possibility? So, I mean, we do deserve credit for that, I think. And, you know, it is a very valiant and brave effort, really, to take it that far deep into the season. To, to be in all honesty, I think we've been spoiled, really, because there was periods during this podcast this season we was unsure whether we'd even get in the playoffs and we've absolutely breezed into the playoffs you know there was points where people thought Borough and Sheffield United were nailed on I know Sheffield United have got in in the end but it went to the last day and and I think Borough finished is it five points off in the end so you know and there was a few of us who wanted Chris Wilder over Steve Cooper so (laughs) it's one of them and it's like I said, it like you just said, Christian. If, if someone would have offered us playoffs when Cooper come in, you'd have, you'd have snatched the hand off. But now, obviously, we've lost that game to Bournemouth, and you know, yesterday with our it ended yesterday. It's kind of just put a bit of a dampener on things, and people are probably now looking at Sheffield United's form. They've won the last three, but you know, you've got to stay positive. You know, I've seen someone put up earlier. His last six, we've won four, 
drew one, lost one. It's, it's not bad form at all, into 13 out of 18. I think Sheffield United is exactly the same form. So it's going to be a tight game with them. Mm. Um, the two games in the league sum that up, but two one ones. I know we were felt hard done by at Sheffield United because we were played really well, but it's going to be interesting and to, to even get in the to get in the playoffs has been an incredible achievement. But once you're in them, you want to win them. You know, it is no, it's not an achievement like Derby fans used to make out of if you get in the playoffs, it's a good achievement. I want to, you know, I want to get to Wembley. I don't just want a day out. I want to go to Wembley and win and get promoted. Yeah, obviously we'll come as that you thought us the playoffs, but um, you, you, you make a good point to be fair. I mean, like, you know, even a few weeks, like we said before, like we were like, oh, you know, we might, remember at the time when the ball game got moved and that was in mid-February and um, after a fucking ad hoarding fell over and they called the game off because they had eight players out, one of which ironically scored against us. Um, and that people were saying then, you know, our ball would be promoted by the time we played and we have nothing to play for. So we said a good chance because it's taken six to the final day or something. And like for us to breeze in like we did is just unheard of, absolutely unheard of. And yeah, Dust yourself down and obviously go again in a few in a week or so. But um, obviously before that happened, there was a whole game. And Adam, I mean, we made seven changes going into the match, which was a bit of a surprise because, but a bit also not surprising because obviously we're protecting those with slight knocks. So Larea came in, Panzo came in, Martin came in, Cafu came in. But despite that, there was no real sign, it seemed, of a disjointed forest. It was still very much, this is the plan, this is the script, read from it and go. Which I think you know we can take a lot from that. Even necessarily quality might not have been there, but the same practices were. Yeah, definitely. And it's good that people are still into the same ethos as it all, uh, as, as you want to say. Um, do we have to recap this game? <laughs> um, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I feel like um, it's good that we've. It, it's almost a little bit of a blessing that we've we ended up drawing as well and finishing fourth because. Yeah, we want Luton, and I know we've got Sheffield United, but it, it gives us an extra day to prepare, in all honesty. It gives us a full week, gives everyone a full week as well to recover. If anyone's got any slight niggles or anything like that, give our, mainly our first first 11 that, that chance. And I know Sheffield United have been doing all right with the last four and everything, but I'd rather play them, and I know we'll come on to this in a little bit more detail, but I'd rather play them than Luton, who, who know they've had the done a number on us and are going to be horrible to play against. Whereas we're going to have a good footballing game against Sheffield United, and it's who wants to go to Luton for an away day? <laughs> let's be let's be honest. So no, um, I'm glad I'm glad there was the same ethos there in terms of how how to play. Um, I, I I know I didn't really get to watch a lot of it. I like, I know Reese and, and and Lee went themselves. Um, but I was excited to hear how Jonathan Panzo got on. He, he apparently looked very good, actually, from from left centre half. Looks quick player. Um, and it's nice to have a an half half quick centre half in your in your in your ranks, isn't it? So it's good that people got their minutes. People like Cafu have obviously had to be very patient for the majority of the season, um, and Lare- and Larea as well, who might be a big part depending on what division we're playing next season. So it's it's good. It's good that that we've got that, but I do think we are lacking a bit of depth. But I think most teams within the playoffs are as well, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think mostly. I mean, I think like I said before with um, with championship teams, I think just even most. I say even from like first to about 
or even like 20th, really. You got a good, a good, a generally a solid starting 11 you look at, but once the injuries and suspensions kick in, then you start to see the real quality. And that's when you start to see the managers um, earn their money because that's when, you know, when you deal with that and how, how the standings do. But, you know, and obviously you can take that from Forest. I mean, they're still getting a point, it's not the end of the world, but Lee, I mean, it could be more than a point. I mean, Zane Silver, again, um, I don't think I've ever seen someone who's had the quality of chances that he's had and he's still yet to score for the club. And, you know, he's, he's not, I mean, fair enough, he's had fleeting like contributions, like he's come on as a sub here and there. I think that was maybe his first start for us in the league anyway. But from what you saw and from what you've seen in the limited time you have done, do you think he's someone that you can maybe like we'd look to move on in the summer or do you think he's got a future at Forest still? Um, I think I'd love to move him on to be honest um, I don't mean that to sound harsh I just think he's kind of he, he's clearly a player that needs to play he's, he's not going to get any better just keep coming in I think I think if my memory serves me correctly he did start against Huddersfield over Christmas uh, when about three or four had Covid um, oh yeah of course yeah, but yeah other than that that's his, that's his two starts for us in the league so I think He's clearly someone that needs to play. I think you saw when he was on loan with, was it Aris in uh, Greece last season? His, his numbers weren't bad, to be fair, when he was playing week in, week out. A uh, few goals, few assists, but he's got to play. And he, let's face it, he's not going to play week in, week out for a team that's, let's say we are a championship club still, uh, come the end of the season, that wants to be pushing for honours in it. So... I would perhaps look to get rid of him. I think, to be honest, at the minute, I think there's a a lot of people forget that Cooper's only had one transfer window. He was never going to kind of get rid of the players that he perhaps doesn't see uh, having a future at the club all in one go. So I think Silva probably will fall into maybe a group of five or six players that Cooper knows deep down that he, he doesn't really want around next year. Um, and I would imagine he'll be he'll be looking for a bit more quality to to place on the bench, or of course he might promote four or five from, from the under-23s who have had a good season. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I guess Silver sort of seems like the fifth sort of attacker, doesn't he? So maybe like mm. Canarte could take that space. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see what happens. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you, you can't afford to be that wasteful in championship like any level, really. Like, you know, how often... I mean, obviously, it's a bit different for us now that we're in a weird space where we can actually sort of think... I actually Forest are quite a decent side, but they'll make chances. But in the games where you don't make many chances and one of falls to him, you know, I always always think back to that uh, Mourinho quote uh, where he's like, I don't want a striker who's got like 20 in um, 35 chances. I want a striker who gets one in one mm. because you need someone to put the ball in the back in there when he matters most. And I just don't see it with Silver at all. I mean, fair enough, he gets into the right positions. Maybe some coaching, he might be able to be that player, but I don't think it'll be for us. But, you know, that's, we got a free hit really in that game. So we got a chance to see these things. And yeah, I'm sure, like you said, there'll be a few minds made up on certain players in their coaching staff. But I mean, Reese, we still made a lot of chances, you know, although Hull should have taken the lead. That rugby conversion slash, I don't even know what you want to call that. I mean, nearly left Hull and went into the river. I mean, <laughs> I mean, okay, it was quite concerning that even happened, but I mean, it was just comical, that miss. Absolutely comical. Yeah, I think that's um, nearly at the corner of um, one of the towers at Umber Bridge into that one. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, when when Spence saw Rizzo and Johnson come on, we looked a lot more proactive, um, and we kind of went for the juggler then, really, and we did leave <laughs> defensive kind of thing went out the window, and we did leave a lot of space at the pack. That being one chance, and unfortunately, the other time being when Tom Eaves was clean through. You know, there was no one at all in our half, so he was in our half and our attacking half, and he was not offside. And thankfully, he is not the fastest. And Spence managed to catch up with him and take the ball off him. But yeah, um, it was it just to me it was it's just like an end of season dead rubber. I don't think either side were massively fussed. Really, they probably would have said at the start of the game. Yeah, we'll, we'll be a nil-nil boys and we'll shake hands and move on. And I know it didn't. And yeah, we had the crazy injury time, which we'll get on to. But yeah, it's just a shame that kind of, you know, last few minutes happened really because we've gone away feeling a bit disappointed when if it was a nil-nil, like I just said, it would have been, yeah, fair enough, onto the playoffs. Yeah, it's, as of the way, as of the game we'll mention very shortly. Um, but... As Adam, you know, Savage Johnson Spence did come on, and it did seem that Forest momentum was just swung big time our way there. But um, it did raise a few questions about those who came off, one of which being Alex Mighton, who, by all accounts and by everyone who was there, just sounded like was very, very poor. You know, and we 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 got the benefits of when Johnson. We obviously we had this, we've had this conversation before, but we got the benefits of when Johnson went out on loan. Who was at the same age, it's worth noting, and whereas. On the twenty, even on the Sabri, you might have looked at both and felt, okay, maybe they're similar level, similar levels of where they are now. It's night and day now in terms of Johnson's much, much a better footballer. So, if you're Steve Cooper, would you send Martin out on loan next season, or would you still have him around like an impact sub? I think next season, if we're in the championship, Brennan Johnson goes and Martin gets maybe more of an opportunity. But then you've got you look at the quality that could become available for us to sign. Jed Wallace said goodbye to Millwall yesterday, pretty much on a free. I, I would absolutely try and try and get someone of that caliber in. Josh Bowler is obviously still a player that is exciting in this league and is still and is a little bit older and has obviously had a lot of football Blackpool and is is a lot better quality. For me, I think Martin does go out on loan regardless of what league we're in. I just think. He's not quite good enough for the championship. And I know we we kind of phrased him last week because he looks a little bit bigger, but him coming off the bench for, for five minutes and 10 minutes is, is not going to be good enough for his development. And last, last yesterday, his first start for us since, I think, under Hewton, maybe. I don't, I don't, I don't know on, on the numbers or anything, but I just think he needs a lot more minutes and a lot more confidence. I mean, he could go to a side like next season, someone a bit like like Plymouth or a Shrewsbury, like Tyrese Fortner has, and he'll get a lot of opportunity. And I think he'll do him a world of God. I just think there's there's too much available and there's too much pressure on a club like us for to maybe give him that opportunity because he's not had the game time to develop like like Brennan did last season. He, his numbers were impeccable, and he's a, he's improved that this season. Uh, for us in a in a difficult league, so yeah, I, I think we I think we send him out on low personally. I, I don't think he's quite at the level that we need him to be. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I would entirely agree with that. I think regardless of what league we're in next year, he has to go out on loan. And you know, whether that's a League One club, whether that's a newly promoted Championship team who are going to play him every week and whatever, he just needs he just needs like I said consistent minutes. And I 
don't think he's going to get there at this moment in time with Forest. Um, Lee, obviously, uh, one of his replacement, Johnson, dispatched a penalty very calmly. He seems very, he seems quite confident and chilled about those now, which is nice after those Sheffield United exploits. But um, <laughs> it was quite literally Reading uh, 2.0, Reading away 2.0 2019. Forest got up the other other and score within 90 seconds. It's one all. I mean, it happening once was bad enough, but for it to happen again, like, what have we done to deserve this sort of thing? Um, what did you make of the madness that um, unfolded in that two-minute spell? It's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's typical last-day drama, really. I mean, it's just... I don't, I don't really know. I mean, it was dead weird, because I have to say, I thought the whole all zone fans, the three blocks next to the away fans, I don't know if Reese would agree, but I thought they were absolutely brilliant all game. Um I've never known a, a bunch of home support. I mean, I've not looked at the stats of this, so I apologise if I'm badly wrong, but I thought Shotter of Aladzi had taken Hull right down the league again, um, kind of undoing Grant McCann's, well, good, pretty good work. Um, but they were singing his name for like 90 minutes, whether it was like ironic, I don't know, but they seemed to really like him. And it was weird. You'd, you'd have thought, given the atmospheres, we were really flat and they were really, really quite noisy. Um Every time we did anything remotely bad, it was that's why you're staying down. And then we just kind of started up a rendition of that's why we're going up. And I looked looked across the pitch and the ball's in the other fucking net. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was stupid. Um, I think Adam's just made a good point, to be honest. It does give us that extra day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, God, it was it was just a typical, like we said as well, if it had finished nil-nil, no one had been asked. It would have been almost like it was pre-organised to finish nil nil. I mean, when they put Tom Uddleston on, that kind of said they'd set up for a draw. And then when he gave the penalty away, it was like, well, that was a good sub, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, it was just, I don't know what to make of it. Like you say, there's not too many clubs that that could happen to twice in almost exactly the same circumstances. But uh, like I said on social media yesterday, the easy way, the hard way and the forest way. <laughs> it's very true. Fucking hell. Um well, Reese, uh, I guess after Bournemouth's disappointment, was it perhaps a game that you felt we should get out of the system regardless of what the result was? A draw, we made seven changes. We sort of treated it as a bit of a free hit. You know, sort of very much onto the next one now, onto the serious stuff. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Or Yeah, I think you've got our spot on, Christian, to be honest. Um, the, the, the whole day, really, um, you know, it was decent before the game, but when we got to the ground, it was absolute shambles getting in the ground. You know, I think most probably if the fans and fans probably missed the first 15 minutes. So I didn't even get into my own uh, designated seat until the second half because I just literally stood just to get in and watch the game. Like So it just kind of dampened that atmosphere from our end and, like Lee said, Hall's fans are very good in that corner. Fair play to them. Um, they're probably on a crest of a way that they've come out of, um, you know, the former ownership. I think is it the Alams who wanted yeah. to change the name to Hall Tigers and do this and do that. And they've got this Turkish Simon Cowling, apparently, who's promised all these fancy things and Mesut Ozil's going to rock up on Humberside and this and that. So fair, fair play to them. Um, you know, they got behind, they got behind the team and, celebrations when they equalised was like as if they'd they got in the playoffs so um, yeah like, like you said Christian it was just it, it was a dead rubber and you know as I said in the last comment if it had you know someone would have said nil nil lads don't even bother playing the game 
I think both teams would have shook hands and be like, yeah, might see you next season. But yeah, now it's obviously the games what um are gonna decide decide the season. Yeah, the uh, crunch time indeed. Anyway, we will now move on to Forest in the playoffs, which is a strange sentence in its own right, but it's now it's a reality. And we thought we'd ask you how everyone was feeling going into these games against our old foe of course, Sheffield United, memories of two thousand and three. And so I read it. So, um, uh, Bob Metal reckons that uh, uh, hoping Forest can be an amazing birthday present of a trip of to Wembley a week on Tuesday, but also bricking it. Andrew Hills terrifies, but in terms of style, I'd rather play Sheffield United than Luton. Feel the latter would shit out us, whereas Sheffield United's style allows us to counter a bit more effectively. Emma is confident, there's nothing to fear. Go there and press them like we all know we can. Take them back to our place of anything but a loss. Fine. David Jones trying to convince himself that. Obviously, be positive about next year if we don't do it. However, he's also quite concerned that the tie could be over after next Wednesday. Tracy Keane, bricking it, given our past history, but confident the boys could do the job if they're all are fit and playing to their best. Superstitious, so thinking at least we're not playing on Friday the 13th and also third time lucky for Cooper, so we'll see. Um, Paul Havel, I'm going to bed every night this week and praying for Keenan to be fit. Then we'll have nothing or no one to fear. <laughs> Interesting responses. I mean... Yeah, obviously, my reaction after the Bournemouth games, I'm sure these guys will testify, was less than positive. And as to the prospects of playoffs, I think many mental scars caused by them were rudely ripped open. And um, I mean, it's just horrible, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's good in a way that we're there, but it's just fucking horrible. Um, but you make a good point, Adam, obviously, about you know the extra day and, you know, Obviously, we talked about the other uh, Huddersfield had Luton. You know, Borough didn't make it. So obviously, Spence you know, can play for us. You know, Millwall, who looked like they might have got in, obviously fell short the last hurdle. Borough was quite a surprising implosion, really. But again, it's what it is. Not it's not our problem. But I mean, so Adam, going go into the game, Adam. Obviously, we're at home, second leg. How do you feel it's going to sort of transpire these next? It's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to be, uh, I want to use Reese's word, tetchy, isn't it? It's going to be tight. Um, I think both teams are footballing sides. And I think it's such a better fixture. And I don't mean this in any disrespect to Luton. I just think it's a better fixture because there is that element of, of the past. Um, it kind of created a bit more of a, of a rivalry between us and Sheffield United. But I think both sets of fans kind of have this like understanding that we're kind of similar clubs in, in, in a way, like we've both, both got similar fan bases, similar sort of like stadium sizes as well, uh, and a passion for their teams. Um, I just think it sets up to be a, a cracker for the neutral. I know that's not very good for either set of fans. I think I think Sheffield United fans will be just as worried as about us as we are about them. And, and that's just because of the, of the, of the reward of, of getting to the playoffs and potentially winning it, it rather than like each other's teams because we've got good players, they've got good players and both team, both games in, in regular season were a stalemate though I think if you look at both those fixtures uh, overall, I think we would have just edged it in terms of quality in, in my opinion. They had two moments of quality Billy Sharp <laughs> scoring both goals, obviously against us. Oh no, sorry, not the first fixture. It was Gibbs White wasn't it? But, GW, yeah. but, but, but um Billy Sharp being involved and it's gonna be touch and go whether he's actually involved in those in those games against us. 
Uh, same for Keenan Davis because he was a key man in that second game yes. um, at Bramall Lane. So I'm I'm looking forward to it in terms of it being a good football match, but absolutely terrified because of of what could happen. But these are the games you want to be involved in as a, as a as a, obviously a player and and as a supporter, in my honest opinion. Because if we go into the Premier League next season, every game's going to be like this. I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. I mean. It's interesting. I mean, obviously, when we played them twice this season, the first one was sort of at the start of Cooper's sort of reign. It was very early on. The second one was when things were more in place. Obviously, there was a noticeable difference in performance. I mean, Lee, for example, we had Sheffield United fans saying after the game that they were disappointed that they couldn't get the win, but equally felt extremely grateful that they got the draw, which I think says quite a lot about how that game... Obviously, last minute equalised for Forest. Over the course of two legs, do you think... I mean, how do you think it'll go loosely um i've got to be honest that i mean given the last few days we've had i've had this conversation with uh, my father-in-law today actually and he was saying that you know at least you've got the the home game second but i actually think given that we've kind of lost to bournemouth and yesterday like garner and Worrell just looked absolutely gutted at the end and there was no need for them to be i mean at the end of the day yeah it was disappointing to score and then concede but there was absolutely no need for them to I mean, looking at them two, you'd think that we'd missed out on the playoffs. I mean, I wonder if some of the scars maybe from, particularly with Worrell, from sort of the, the 2019 capitulate, capitulation, get my teeth in, um, is still there because, like I say, he didn't play bad. He was, it was just one of those games. But um, I actually wish we were at home first. Um, I just think a packed out city ground... Um, you look at, like, MK Dons in League One, they've gone away first but they're almost they're 2-0 down starting tonight so is, is that really any any use being at home second I'm not sure I think I would have preferred given how it's all ended in the normal season to be at home first get the city ground rocking keep the tie alive and then go there but it is what it is I just think I can see why people are looking at yesterday's results and thinking bloody hell if they race out the blocks against us the game could be over by half time. The tie could be over by half time. It's just like you've said before, Christian. In our chat, I think you did go a bit OTT on the Bournemouth night. But you're right when you say we've been here before. We've we don't typically do well in playoffs. And the really big challenge for Cooper is to go to Bramall Lane on Saturday for me, and ensure that we get it back to the City Ground. It, you know, with the scoreline at a reasonable state. I don't for one minute think we're the sort of team Touchwood that will go and get absolutely battered or anything like that. But the last thing we want is to be filling the city ground and then we're coming back sort of 3-1 down, that sort of thing. So if we can if we can draw, I mean, I, I'd snap your arm off for a draw there now. Oh, easy. Yeah, if, if we could, if, if as daft as it sounds, if we lost 1-0, I think the game's still alive. Get it back to the city ground, under the lights. Um, happy days. So I actually think that's the big challenge for Cooper now. He's got to... He's got to lift the spirits. He's got to get the players back focused. And I think he's just got to make them believe that, like we've said at the top of this show, our, our last six games, we've won four of them and we've won them pretty comfortably. Um, yeah, the other one that we didn't win comfortably in terms of the scoreline was Fulham, where we went away and won. So that was that's literally, that wasn't two weeks ago. So the form is there. The players can play. I think the challenge now for Cooper is to just reinstall a bit of that belief that we can go to Sheffield United and and you know get a really positive result. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I guess obviously as well, uh, 
race. I mean, there will be a lot of parallels, of course, between 2003. Um, none, perhaps, more so, obviously, both the clubs in fourth and fifth again. But I guess most tellingly, though, is that uh, we've obviously got a son of someone who played in that 2003 game. Obviously, David Johnson played, would have played 2003. We've got Brennan for um, 2022, which I find is quite a unique coincidence. But um saw quite a few people saying, even before like we knew we were going to get who we were going to get, it was sort of like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if Brennan could sort of like, you know, avenge his father's pain from 2003, et cetera, et cetera. I suppose it adds another little subplot to it, but um, what was your thought on that? Yeah, as if he, like as if his father had passed on after that night at Bramall Lane. <laughs> so we need to like Virgil avenge, van Dyke's knee yeah. that time. Yeah. We need to avenge his um, death. Um, <laughs> I mean, with you know, to be Sheffield United have probably inflicted two of the most painful memories as a Forest fan, especially. For those of an older generation, obviously sent us down from the Premier League. So in Clough's last game, well, was it last home game? I think. Yeah. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna be very, very tight again. I generally, I wouldn't, it honestly, wouldn't surprise me if both games finished in a draw, and it ended up going to extra time back at our place. Um, as Lee was mentioned, I don't, I generally don't think there's any advantage how. You know, being at home second, personally, I much prefer the National League's way of doing it, which is if you finish the top two sides, you it's one leg and you get the home advantage. That's that would be the best way to do it, in my opinion. But you know, I'm not part of the AFL, um, and if I was, I'd be being accused of being corrupt by Derby fans. So, <laughs> um, I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, they've got quite a few injuries, haven't they? So it's going to be interesting what their side is come Saturday. Interesting from our perspective whether, you know, Keenan Davis is in and around the side. And, you know, we've not really seen much from the two games between us this season. They both finished 1 1. They've both been very tight gate affairs. Um, so. <laughs> It's, it's probably going to be who holds the nerve. And, and to be honest, it's probably, when you look at the squads, the, probably you'd have to say the two best sides in the playoffs on the day. I know, you know, I'm sure there aren't any Huddersfield fans who listen to this podcast, but I think if Forrest and Huddersfield, sorry, Forrest and Sheffield were at full capacity, I think we'd both beat Huddersfield and Luton. But, you know, like I've said on previous pods, there's several ways to skin a cat. So, you know, it's probably at this stage going to be about who holds a nerve and, you know, who can apply as much football to the two games um, against one another. Um, hopefully we can just, you know, we've got, as a club, we've got rights to wrong. Steve Cooper's got um, wrongs to right. Sorry, rights to wrong. Wrongs to right. Um, you know, he's got to two plus. He's failed twice. So, you know, he'll be hoping it's third time lucky. So everyone's got a point to prove. You know, and it's going to be two very, um, very nervous, but very, you know, especially the, the city ground as well. Under, yeah, you know, I know it's summer, so it ain't a shame it's under the lights. But I'm sure Fours will be planning something. It'll be a sellout. You know, like Lee said, hopefully we're still in the tie. You know, if we can go to Sheffield United and avoid defeat and bring them back home, I'd, like Lee said, I'd take that now. You know, bring them back to yeah. packed out. And, you know, hopefully it can be a special night for the club. 
Definitely. I think even if it's 1 0, I mean, look at Sunderland and Wednesday, for example. The fact that Wednesday, yeah. okay, we're a bit fortunate to keep it at 1, but they'll be mm-hmm. going into that thinking, you know, it's, it's, if you go, when it's like that, if you get a goal in the first 15 minutes, and then you know, you, not only you level on the tie, you've got all the momentum with you and the home support. But then I think Forest and Blackpool, when Earnshaw scored in the first seven minutes and we still conspired to get yeah, that wrong. That was literally so, what I was going to say. So yeah. it'd be nice just to think if we win on the night at home, we've won. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be really nice. Not thinking oh, we've got a goal behind. and Yeah. <laughs> going to be interesting. I mean, my, my concern is, I mean, I, I, I do believe that there are some teams that are fine for playoffs and some that aren't. I mean, look, I, I, if you look at history, I tell you that Forest are ones that aren't. Sheffield United are ones that also aren't. And then you've got like Cardiff as another example. Like all three of these teams and Exeter City, like in League Two, there's like, they get to a point which is like, you know, fuck the playoffs, just look at the automatics. My worry was that if we weren't going to get promoted automatically, we weren't going to do it at all just because of how traumatic these have been for us. And on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, You've got teams like Huddersfield, you've got teams like Rotherham and Millwall, who just it smiles kindly for, and they go up like, and they make it look easy. Um, we always have to see what happens. Obviously, it's not it's not the past, we're the present now, and different players, different teams, or personnel wise. So we'll have to see. But of course, the time has come though for predictions. So Adam, Forest's next two games are Sheffield United away on uh, Saturday the 14th of May I believe I'll be on Sky and of course on Tuesday afterwards Sheffield United at home which will also be on Sky for obvious reasons uh, what are your predictions for those two games oh uh, yeah <laughs> that's like uh, trying to predict the lottery numbers isn't it like, <laughs> like you said it's I was going to put raise the point that Sheffield United haven't had the best of records in playoffs either they've got to a lot of finals and 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 failed at that hurdle so that will obviously play in a lot of of their fans' mind it won't play in their players minds and I think the pressure if you're going to put pressure on a certain team you'd say Sheffield United because of they've just come down from the Premier League parachute payments um, etc but there's pressure on us because of the second leg being at home so pressure for both teams time for their managers to earn their money and obviously players uh, to earn their coin and and uh, possibly legendary status for it for each club um i think away i'm going to say a 1-1 draw i just think if we can come back with a, with a positive result then we've got every chance especially at home this calendar year we've been formidable and i think sheffield united fans will look at that if we them saying if we don't win at bramall lane we're going to struggle at the city ground because we've just it's just become a fortress which is a very very good thing for us yeah. to have uh, and then at home, I think we'll edge it and I think we'll win 2-1 at home. So 1-1, one, 2-1. One, one. It's far as the women then. Uh, Lee, what about you, mate? It's tricky, isn't it? I mean, God. It's just kind of dawned on me that if we're going to hear Depeche Mode in a stadium again, it means we've got to Wembley. <laughs> Jesus. Um, which is quite exciting. But obviously there's 180 minutes possibly longer standing in the way of that um, I'm going to be optimistic I think Cooper will earn his coin this week and get the players back up for it um, it's two games at the end of the day what happened in the 46 doesn't matter now um, I think we will get a very very spirited 1-1 draw at Bramall Lane with our goal 
come in courtesy of a dodgy VAR call. Um, <laughs> that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, at home, I, I don't fancy us losing at home. I really, I, I can't sit here and put it. I said back before we played Bristol City that if we were going to get in the playoffs, we'd need to win every single home game. Um, I think the only blemish on that was we drew with Stoke, but otherwise we warned them all. Um, and even I thought that was such a a long shot. So I think we'll win at home and I think we will win. I think it could be like the Blackpool game. I think it'll turn into a bit of a basketball match. I think we'll win 3-2 at home. You're really planning on uh, getting these nerves jangling, aren't you? After extra time. I don't even want to, make, don't even want to think about extra time. I mean, <laughs> horrendous. Oh, God. Anyway, um, Reese, what about you? <laughs> I don't want to put a downer on it, but, um, you know, Adam mentioned the home record and, you know, I refer back to Billy Davis's home record before yeah, we played Blackpool. Well. Um, but, and, and then on the flip for Sheffield, um, you know, they've been in some incredible playoffs obviously the one against us they then lost the Wolves in the final you know can any of you guys remember that Swindon game I think it finished like 5-5 five, five in like the second leg at Swindon and I always remember as well Steve Simonson slamming a penalty over the bar at Wembley for him so you know they'll have their playoffs um, you know sadness as well whether that plays a part I, I don't think it will personally but um, for me um, you're going to get a simple answer. Same score, both games, 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One, one at their place, 1-1 one, one at ours. And Forrest win on penalties. That's <laughs> what I'm going to go for. Yates um, winning pen. <laughs> just anyone. Don't care. Don't care. It's bong, whoever. Bong. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who scores a pen. But it's going to be so tight. You know, like Adam said, it's literally like picking a lottery numbers. It, it's, it's such a tough one to call. Um, I just I can't see much in it at all. I really can't, and it might it wouldn't surprise me if it's either a piece of brilliance or a mistake or a set piece. What pretty much will win the tie, swing the tie, either, either way. Yeah, we'll certainly see. I mean, my concern is obviously I can see the head. I mean, I'll give you two scores. One of my head talking, one of my heart talking. My head says two 0 loss at Ramel Lane. Probably Osborne the score as well. I think they've got such a contingent of ex-Forest players. One of them is bound to do something against us. And then at home, I can see us just going out of a one-all draw and then losing three on aggregate. That's, I think that's... You know, and I'll look at it as a classic. A team with parachute payments have just come down. You're looking at all three relegated teams in prime contention to get promoted at the first time of asking next season, which you'd hope would raise a few questions at um, EFL HQ, but of course it won't. Heart speaking... I think we'll draw 0-0 at Bramwell Lane. I think we can dig in and get a result there. I think you'll see some very defiant gladiator-esque defending from Cook, Morrill and McKenna at times. I think we'll be a bit unlucky in front of goal again. And you might get a few people saying, oh, you know, Forrest haven't won in three now, rah, 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 rah. But obviously not really factoring into the equation, meaning this, the, the meaning of full nature of these games. And then at home, heart speaking, I think we can do them 2-3-0. I think with the city ground rocking, I think with everything, you know, behind us, light work at home. I think, yeah, we'll see. Davis to make her appearance at a second leg, give us all a big lift, pull their defensive pieces again. Osborne sent off or scores an own goal. But um, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, at least we're in it. I suppose we've got one in four chance of going up. 
got a 50% chance Wembley again. Um, if you look on the fourth, fourth or fifth time, I think, in my lifetime, we've been a game away from Wembley. We could be at the city grounds. I just hope, in all seriousness, like we said, we, we aren't out of it after the first leg. If we can take back a draw or even a narrow loss at city grounds, I think we'll be fine. But, yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be where Cooper earns his coin, I think. And that's where people like Cook and Colback's experience will be absolutely vital at Bramall Lane. But we will see. And uh, anyway, hopefully in two weeks' time when we do this podcast again, we'll be planning routes to Wembley Way and pub points across Baker Street, etc., etc. But we'll have to wait and see because at least 180 minutes of very nervous, tenacious football, tension football to come. Anyway, enjoy enjoy the time before you can before the games, and uh, yeah, let's hope Forest are en route to uh, Wembley. We'll see. Take care. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.